This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Pardon me. The Vikings pleaded Trump. Truly, genuinely felt they were invited. And the accused insurrectionist. Can you believe she's a famous soprano? And Rudy Giuliani's Game of Thrones defense? I demand a trial by combat. Let's have trial by combat! Then, did some of the insurrectionists have military training? The growing evidence. The way they move, the way they hold on to each other, the way they signal. They learn this from the finest military in the world. And moving day for the Trumps and the final snub. Wait till you hear what Trump is planning for Biden's inauguration. Then... Does wearing two masks instead of one really help? Do they offer extra protection? Wait till you hear what this expert says. You just made this an N95 right here. Then, these desperate people thought they were getting the vaccination, but it was a cruel hoax. And controversy. Should cigarette smokers get to the head of the line? Plus, the accused COVID-19 squatters partying in this gorgeous house. They even made a red carpet for their guests. Why can't the homeowners kick them out? Then, new information on the John JonBenet Ramsey murder investigation. 24 years after her murder. I'll show you how easily it can be done. The just uncovered video diary by the lead detective. He, on his deathbed, asked his granddaughters to carry on his mission. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. If you broke the law at the U.S. Capitol last week, law enforcement probably knows who you are. At least 170 criminal cases have been opened and scores of arrests already made. And charges being levied carry serious jail time. And incredibly, one of the most recognizable members of the mob is hoping President Trump will pardon him. Les Trent reports. The infamous rioter marching through the Capitol in a horned helmet and spear is pleading for President Trump to pardon him. Jacob Chansley faces more than 20 years in federal prison if convicted. My client believes he was invited. I spoke with his attorney, Uh, Albert Watkins, who believes his client has been brainwashed by President Trump. In the eyes, hearts, and minds of the individuals who followed him and believed in his word and truly, genuinely felt they were invited by the president. Federal prosecutors say rioters, including Chansley, intended to capture and assassinate elected officials. Chansley allegedly left a letter on Vice President Pence's desk. It's only a matter of time. Justice is coming. That sounds like a threat. No, I, 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 meant, I, I 
beg to differ. My client is probably one of the most gentle individuals known to man. Today, we're learning just how close Chancellor and others got to the vice president. Perilously close. One minute after Pence was hustled out of the chamber, a group charged the stairs to a second floor landing in the Senate. The list of accused insurrectionists under arrest is growing. Cleet Keller, a fantastic second turn. Two-time Olympic gold medal swimmer Cleet Keller, identified by his six-foot-six height and his Olympic team jacket, turned himself in in Colorado. The rioters come from all walks of life. This woman screamed expletives at the police. She has now been identified as Audrey Souther, and turns out she's an internationally renowned vocalist who has performed at Carnegie Hall in New York City. Forensic psychologist Keith Ablo says the suspects seem to share several things in common, including a belief in bizarre conspiracies. I think we got here uh, by uh, a slow erosion of reality. I think that particularly social media encouraged people to present fictional scenarios about themselves, fictional scenarios about themselves, and to also inhale uh, information uncritically. Hello, everyone. Today, President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, claims he was just quoting Game of Thrones during his controversial speech that preceded the insurrection. Let's have trial by combat. I demand a trial by combat. The precision with which rioters moved on the Capitol has led investigators to suspect that many had military training. It's being reported that some used military-style hand signals to communicate during the siege. Amber Cagliano has more on that. The storming of the Capitol bears all the signs of a skilled military operation, experts now say. Finding out where the insurrectionists got their training is today a tier one priority of investigators. The evidence of military training is compelling. These men in combat gear are using a tactic known as Ranger File to push through the crowd and make their way into the Capitol. Many rioters wore flak jackets and helmets. Others wore brightly colored clothing, easier to spot each other in the crowd. They used military-style hand gestures to signal one another. You can see by the way they move, the way they hold on to each other, the way they signal. These aren't people who learn this in the woods playing paintball. They learn this from the finest military in the world. Let's rise up regardless in support of the country. Eric okay? Newbold, a decorated former Navy SEAL, spoke in military jargon when he posted this briefing for protesters heading to Washington that day. We are meeting at 11 o'clock, no later than midnight, ready for ready for intel briefings, ready for communication briefings, contingency plans, route, uh, route information. He says he's cooperating with the FBI. used by some rioters mirror small unit tactics used by the U.S. military in urban warfare. Prosecutors say retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Larry Rendell Brock photographed in combat gear in the Senate chamber holding zip-tie handcuffs planned to take hostages, kidnap, restrain, perhaps execute members of the U.S. government. What we're seeing here is individuals who have received military training from the best military in the world, and then they turn around and use these very skills to attack the country that trained them. It absolutely shocks the conscience. 
That it does. President Trump remains holed up at the White House today. It's being reported he will fly to his home in Florida the morning of the Biden inauguration. But many personal items from the administration have already left. It's moving day. Boxes of personal belongings are being carted out of the White House and stacked high on the driveway out front. Some are destined for Trump's presidential library. There's a souvenir baseball bat. Other boxes are filled with historic newspaper front pages, like Dawn of a New Middle East. This video of a man carrying a bust of Lincoln out of the Oval Office is raising eyebrows today, as is this video of Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' wife carrying a stuffed pheasant to her car. I hope they're not absconding with the bust. People need to know that the items inside the White House are not giveaways. They can't, they're not souvenirs you can take home. The president is reportedly spending his final days posing for departure photos with the White House staff as he seethes with anger over calls for his resignation. He has told aides not to bring up former President Richard Nixon, who, of course, resigned before he could be impeached. He's actually gone off on some people who have brought up Richard Nixon. To add insult to injury, workers preparing for the inauguration next week are putting up Biden-Harris banners in full view of Trump. The president could look out his windows right now and see this bunting go up. That is obviously not going to sit well with the president. Trump reportedly plans to leave the White House on the morning of January 20th and fly to Palm Beach. He will be given a 21-gun salute, a color guard, and military band. Joe Biden will be sworn in at noon. On Inauguration Day, really, it's organized chaos is the best way to describe it. Anita McBride was Laura Bush's chief of staff. The process would start about 4, 4.30 in the morning. Most of the furnishings and collections there are part of the White House collection, so not a lot will change. New mattresses will be put in. The existing mattresses will be taken out, new mattresses that they would have pre-selected that they wanted, and sheets, towels, everything. Also on that floor is a tiny little family kitchen put in by Jackie Kennedy. Snacks they like to have on hand, drinks they like to have on hand would all be being stocked in there. Ivanka Trump and husband Jared are also moving. A truck was spotted outside their home as workmen carried out carefully wrapped artwork. Ivanka supervised in a cherry red dress and heels. Ten months in, the pandemic is getting worse. The global death toll today surpassed two million people. Health officials say we all need to double down on safety measures, especially because of the more contagious variant that's out there. So would two masks be better than one? Jim Murray finds out. With COVID cases soaring, experts warn it's time to double down, as in time to start wearing a double mask. President-elect Joe Biden does it. Mitt Romney double masked during the Capitol insurrection. Tom Cruise also double masks. It essentially blocks between 90 and 95% of all viral particles. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Monica Gandhi shows us the simple steps you can take. Actually putting the cloth mask first and then putting the surgical mask on top of it. All the electrostatic repulsion from here, and then like different fibers going different ways, you've just blocked, you've just made this an N95 right here. With more contagious variants of the virus spreading, people are desperate for the vaccine. Chaos erupted last night after word spread on social media that extra doses of the vaccine were available at the Army Terminal in Brooklyn. The line stretched for blocks, but it was a cruel hoax. Everyone was turned away. 
In Los Angeles, one person is dying every six minutes from COVID. Grim images show the National Guard storing bodies in a temporary freezer at the coroner's office. Today, Dodger Stadium is now a mega vaccination site. Do you have an appointment confirmation? People eligible for a coronavirus vaccination can now drive to Dodger Stadium, roll down their window, and get an injection. About 12,000 people a day will get their shots here. In California, residents 65 and older are now eligible for a vaccine, but officials say they first have to vaccinate all healthcare industry and nursing home workers. Many hopeful for the vaccine are being turned away, like this 67-year-old woman. That's not good. It's, I don't want to say inconvenient. It's nothing like that. Hopefully people are not going to get discouraged. In New Jersey, smokers are now on the list of those allowed to get the vaccine on the grounds that their habit is a high-risk health condition. Now onto some video of a wild house party that had a red carpet even out there for the guests. But the people who threw the party don't own the house. They are tenants allegedly taking advantage of COVID eviction vans by not paying rent. Look at this video. It shows a couple living it up, dancing, having lavish parties. They even made their own red carpet events. So why is this video outraging Arena and Michael Mashiriakov? That's their beautiful home, and they say the family inside are squatters, taking advantage of the ban on evictions during the COVID-19 pandemic. The rent is $4,500 a month, but the alleged squatters, who seem to have had a pretty elaborate Christmas, haven't paid a dime for 18 months, way before the pandemic began. The Mashiriakovs say they are out nearly 80 thousand dollars. They can afford lobster parties and you know with the red carpet events and DJs and karaoke going through the night. In this video the alleged squatter identified as Nicodemus Miller confronts the homeowner. Then a second man levels a threat. Arena is filming the encounter. We went to the home on Staten Island, New York, to try to get the renter's side of the story, but they did not answer the door. They just received a delivery of yet another television set. I cried through the night, don't understand how we got into this position. Arena and Michael have three kids and are living with in-laws. She's a physical therapist for COVID patients. So they wait for the ban on evictions to come to an end once the pandemic is over, while the alleged squatters continue to party hardy. The renters say they will leave by the end of the month. The homeowners say they'll believe that when they see it. Next, new information on the John Benet Ramsey murder investigation. 24 years after her murder. I'll show you how easily it can be done. The just uncovered video diary by the lead detective. He, on his deathbed, asked his granddaughters to carry on his mission. Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back. The unsolved murder of child beauty queen JonBenet Ramsey still fascinates, and now a 2020 special features never before seen a video diary made by the lead detective in the case. It's one of America's 
most baffling true crime mysteries. Now, 24 years after the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey, a top investigator on the case is speaking from beyond the grave. I thought this would be a fairly easy case. I thought it would be a slam dunk. Detective Lou Smith kept video diaries on the case. They're seen for the first time ever in a 2020 special, The List Who Killed Jean Benet? I spoke to ABC's Amy Robach. We are going to reveal what Lou Smith's thinking is as to who his top suspects are. Six-year-old pageant contestant John Benet was found strangled in the family home in Boulder, Colorado, the day after Christmas, 1996. At first, suspicion fell on her parents. It seemed as though the parents were probably involved in it. I even remember talking to my daughter. I kind of joked with her, saying that you know, if somebody did get in the house, uh, it must have been Santa Claus coming down the uh, chimney. Patsy and John Ramsey fiercely denied they had anything to do with their daughter's death. Please, if you know anything, I beg you to call us. Call us. Authorities later cleared the family of any involvement, and Smith became convinced an intruder was responsible. Smith died in 2010, leaving behind a list of possible suspects. He, on his deathbed, asked his granddaughters to carry on his mission to find the real killer. The granddaughters now produce a podcast dedicated to the case. We wanted to continue our grandpa's legacy. He wants the case to remain alive. 2020 also speaks to John Benet's half-brother, John Andrew Ramsey, who is determined to find the killer. We work on this daily. I want the trauma to stop for the family. And if we can find the killer, then the next generation doesn't have to live with that trauma and the unknown and the speculation. JonBenet's mother, Patsy Ramsey, died of ovarian cancer in 2006. The 2020 special will air tonight on ABC. And when we come back, an officer injured from the Washington invasion gets some support from a little girl. Americans watched the Capitol invasion in horror, and one image in particular really disturbed a little girl in Montana. You've seen it, the officer being crushed by the mob. Well, that 10-year-old wrote a get-well note to the officer, and now he's getting to say thank you. Of all the shocking images, this may be the most searing. An officer being crushed by the angry mob, bleeding from his mouth and fighting for his life. Until now, all we've known about him is the number on his helmet, Officer 4518. This 10-year-old girl watched the footage on TV from her home, 1,953 miles away in Billings, Montana, and it broke her heart. She had just started to cry and kept asking, why is this happening? What are, why are they doing this to him? So little Emma Jablonski wrote a letter to the officer and included some adorable artwork as well as a care package of souvenirs from Montana. Can you tell me why you wrote the letter? To make him feel better about himself and that there's somebody out there who doesn't like him being hurt. Dear officer. Lo and behold, the letter got to the cop and now he has a name. Officer Daniel Hodges of the D.C. Metro Police. He was touched by Emma's sweet gesture, and he's now sharing details of his horrifying experience at the hands of the mob. They were all shouting at us, calling us traitors, um, 
telling us to remember our oaths. I think you see someone in the video who um, rips my mask off, my gas mask. He's also able to rip away my baton, uh, beat me with it. I thought, well, this might be it. This might be the end for me. <laughs> He's on the mend, ready to go back to work, and grateful for little Emma. She was a real sweetheart. I was really touched that she thought to write a letter to me, and I was so happy to read it and, just, and uh, let her know that I was doing okay. And I think it meant a lot to everyone, all the officers who fought that day. And we're happy to share that story. When we come back, a guy with some really bad luck. And finally today, 2021 is not getting off to a good start for anyone. It's a runaway golf cart. But it's not over yet, not by any means. Off it goes again. If it weren't for bad luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all. That's Inside Edition. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Inside Edition ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.